CES Wednesday. We have so many cool, diverse people from different backgrounds, different beliefs, different upbringings, and it just keeps growing. I feel it in my I'm a citizen of the United States. I'm a hustler. I'm a big Taylor Swift fan. I'm the queen of the tribe. I am playing whatever role I gotta play. I'm gonna play this game for speed. I ain't going down like no punk. A new Survivor, Wednesday on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus. On May 23rd... I want to go back to normal. What's normal? The Paramount Plus original series, Evil Returns. We've already hunted werewolves and demons. And now what? A baby antichrist? Okie <laughs> dokie. Prepare yourself. You will not beat us. For the end. I have visions of hell. Make it stop. Make it shut up. You're not gonna survive this. Evil. The final season. Streaming May 23rd. Only on Paramount+. Plus. Welcome in to the Autzen Audibles podcast. I'm Matt Prem, Eric Scopel, Jared Mack on the show. Another edition of the Spring Preview Series that we're running. Spring football starts March 10th. That's in just a week and a half or so, uh, believe it or not. It's crazy as that sounds. Uh, Ducks will have four practices in the month of March, and then they'll take time off for spring break and then return in April where they go, I think, four straight weeks. Uh, with practices ending April 23rd with the spring game. And then they have one practice after that, April 25th. Haven't haven't seen that at Oregon. Uh, I know a couple of schools have done it, but interesting to find out what the strategy is with that. Uh, on today's show, uh, if you missed our previous ones, we've discussed the quarterbacks, the running backs, the, the tight ends. And now on today's show, we're going to dive into the receiver room. Um, DuckTerritory.com has full coverage it's kind of receiver day on the site. We've all dropped some stories looking at this position group going in. And it's one where there has been a lot of movement. Uh, there certainly has been some transfer or some, some guys going pro. Uh, there have been some additions from a recruiting perspective. There have been some transfers. We'll dive into all of that. Uh, a position group that in 2021, I, I don't know if it's fair to say that they – didn't live up to expectations, but I also don't think that they kind of did either. Like it was a weird year. And part of that I think is probably in part to the struggles at quarterback, the consistency there, but Devin Williams led the team 35 receptions, 557 yards. And he led the team in uh, touchdown receptions with four Travis die actually led the team in total receptions, a running back. Um, Chris Hudson came on strong at the end of the year, uh, but just overall, just a weird year at receiver. Yeah, I remember we were talking a year ago at this time about how this was probably the most talented receiving group Oregon had ever had. And on paper, it wasn't a crazy thing based upon recruiting rankings. I forget what the stat was, but it was like seven of the 14 highest rated receivers or something um, that were on last year's team. But it didn't feel that way, right? Matt, I mean, that Matt runs through the numbers there. If you have one receiver over 500 yards probably not your best receiver room, or at least not from a production perspective. So yeah, I, 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 I'm not even going to argue. I think they didn't live up to expectations and, you know, down the stretch of the season. I mean, they kind of, it was a weird year because you had basically your core group for the first 10 or so games. And then you lost four of your best five or six guys for the last four. Um, and you were forced to basically have the, the youth movement, kind of the future come a little early. Um, and actually I would, I would argue some of the better, 
I mean, at least the bowl game, that was one of the more impressive showings of the season with some yeah. of these receivers. So, I mean, it's a, it's a weird one to kind of reflect on. It was when writing the story, I was kind of like, yeah, this was just a weird, a weird year at wide receiver. And in 2022, it's very different, right? When we talked about the depth a year ago of like, man, how is so-and-so going to get on the field? Like, if you're on the roster now, you have a pretty good chance of getting on the field. Because <laughs> you know, Oregon, Oregon returns six, and I don't even know if we – I think Josh Delgado is going to be around, but he wasn't really able to play at all last year due to injury, so I, I'm kind of uncertain about him. Lance Wilhoyt hasn't officially not been stated as with the program, but wasn't with the He's team not at all. Here. I don't – so, yeah, I, I think we can just basically not – I'm not even including him in the, the six that I'm talking about here. But the team returns Chris Hudson, Dante Thornton, Troy Franklin, Isaiah Bravard, Isaiah Crocker, and Josh Delgado from last year's roster um, at the end of the season. And I, we should even know here, I guess, Seven McGee can also be yep. included here because we don't know – we don't have any certainty of exactly where he kind of is figuring in here. But a year ago, it really was to end the season, Hudson, Thornton, and Franklin, and Crocker, and those were your four guys. And let's be real, to start the season, those guys were probably receivers like three, six, seven, and nine or something. I mean, like they were way down the depth chart, and then by the end of the year, they were your guys. So um, I did think it was positive how they played in the bowl game, though, that collection of four. And I think you can now have some some sort of confidence going into the spring that you have at least a core group that can, that can really play and compete. And I don't think anyone doubts the talent among this group because every player I just mentioned were five-star recruits, sorry, four-star recruits and really high-end four-star recruits in the case of Thornton, yep. Franklin, and, and, and Crocker even. Um, so there's definitely talent here, but it's going to be the depth part. And Oregon didn't add probably as many bodies as any of us expected, but they did add two, right, Jared? Yeah, Oregon only added two wide receivers. Justice Lowe is a true is going to be a true freshman from the class of 2022 out of Lake Oswego. Four-star recruit. He's listed at 6'1, 185. Um, he's listed as an athlete on 24-7 sports. Uh, it's clear that Oregon is going to bring him in as a wide receiver, mostly due to what the issues that Eric just outlined are. They don't have anybody there. Um, uh, wide receiver group was one of the two groups on the football team where we thought that Oregon would add a couple bodies. Um, they added Justice Lowe, and they also added Chase Coda, a transfer from UCLA, former class of 2018 high school recruit, uh, four-star wide receiver out of Oregon as well. Uh, father, dad was a was a former duck. Um, originally looked like he might have been an Oregon lean until uh, Willie, Willie Taggart left Oregon to go to Florida State. He ended up committing to UCLA, where he's played the last four years there. <clears throat> Solid overall player gives gives Oregon <clears throat> excuse me sorry gives Oregon a lot of a lot more depth than they had before more experience um, and the ability to go out and make some plays. Um, he's had some solid seasons at UCLA, but was never a primary focus of their offense. Um, a little difficult to do that in a Chip Kelly led offense where there's a whole lot of weapons. But uh, bringing Coda into the program as well as New wide receiver head co or new wide receiver coach, Junior Adams, former Washington wide receiver coach, um, gives Oregon some more depth and a different way to look at the game. This position group, um, it's going to be interesting just to see kind of how it plays out. Who are the starters? Um, what do do we see guys bounce between slot and on the outside? Um, there's certainly going to be a ton of questions. I think this is the one where 
I almost feel like it could go in a, a million different combinations. Um, the one guy I do feel very confident about going into this season is Chris Hudson. Um, 31 receptions, 419 yards, two touchdowns. I think 2022 will be the year in which he becomes kind of the focal point of, of the offense. Um, that's probably – there's three front runners for the job type of deal with receiver because they play so many guys. But I think the go-to guy on this team will probably emerge as Chris Hudson. At least that's my choice um, going into this one. But other challengers, do you guys agree that Chris Hudson is maybe the, the odds-on favorite to be the go-to guy for Oregon at receiver? I think a lot of it depends on this offense, man. I mean, we've said that it's kind of our cop-out, but I think it's a fair one, yeah. right? I mean, it's like we don't really know. Um, like, and, and, and part – I mean, I think, again, I'm, I'm operating based upon limited information of what Dillingham has said. And Chris Hudson has proven to win one-on-one matchups. And honestly, I don't want to make this a let's crap on the previous quarterback, but uh, there were a, a lot of times where he was wide open in the yes. middle of the field where the ball just didn't get there for a variety of reasons. And – his stat line could look significantly better. So I do feel confident he can do that. Um, I also think Troy Franklin, I mean, I'd probably say it's Hudson and Franklin as, as 1A and 1B for me in terms of that kind of establishing themselves in that role. I think we saw towards the end of last season some of that promise from Franklin. Because remember, to start 21, Franklin going into the, 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 uh, the Fresno State game was supposed to be the starter, but he dealt with kind of a small, mm-hmm. kind of minimal ankle injury, and Hudson ended up leapfrogging him and, and Franklin never really got the job back until there were injuries to other players or transfers or whatnot um, to close the season. So I, I, I think it's one of those two guys. And I will say putting together a two deep for this, as Matt kind of alluded to, was really, really hard. Like, I mean, like there really are a lot of combinations. I, I feel pretty good about saying a top five will include Hudson, Thornton, Franklin, Crocker and Coda. Um, that would be my, my my idea of a top five, but boy, it's it's kind of hard to even parse through how some of that will work out. And then landing on a sixth is also tough because what do we know about Justice Lowe, who's going to be a first-year freshman? What do we know about Delgado, who didn't play at all last year? Bravard didn't play really at all last year. And Seven McGee played a little bit, but he's kind of moving between positions. So I think there's a five, a group of five I, I like to be the the core. I don't know if there's a clear six, and I don't even know among the five necessarily like who I would pick for a starting three. I think Hudson and Franklin to me are the top two, but after that, it's a little tougher to, to kind of parse through, I guess. I'd go with Hudson and Franklin as a solid two, just like you guys. Um, but I'll basically open this by saying I'd like to see what the offense does as well, because – I don't know. We gotta we gotta see what they do. Um, you, going into 2021, you had a good idea of what it was going to be like. But even still, Troy Franklin, like Eric just mentioned, you know, set himself apart and was looking like he was going to be the opening day starter at wide receiver. So, you know, that's something you have to take into consideration. You saw how Franklin performed down the stretch when he was finally given the opportunity to go and seemingly run a different offense than they had all year long. Same with Chris Hudson and same with Dante Thornton. Um, I think if those are your three starters, that's pretty darn talented. They're all young with Franklin and, and Thornton being true sophomores. Um, Hudson, I'm, I'm not sure what his class is after the COVID year. He could be a redshirt <laughs> sophomore. I don't know. He could be a senior for all I know. Um, but I think, I think that's a talented one, two, three. 
the issue is when you hit the depth option and there's not as much talent behind those three. And we saw last year for Oregon, you know, thank God they had the depth that they did because they lost three wide receivers in a week with Jalen Red, Johnny Johnson, and Micah Pittman either getting hurt or transferring from the program. And if that happens this this time around, which I don't necessarily think it will because everybody should be happy with the playing time they're receiving with only six bodies, but that could really devastate this offense. And again, it's gotta we gotta see how the offense looks in terms of how they get it out to the wide receivers. But you know, I really like Hudson's game. I really like Franklin's game. Um, I think I'm extremely high on Dante Thornton's potential just because of his body type and his fluidity and his um, getting down the field characteristics. Um, but I think Oregon for the, their first three, at least of, the, of Thornton, Hudson, and Franklin are, is is pretty darn good. Looking at spring game, um, maybe some predictions of who will be the starters. Let's take a quick break and we'll discuss those when we come back. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. All right, welcome back to the Autzen Audible's podcast. Um, talking receivers here on the show and predictions of starting. I, I, I feel like, am, am I speaking for all three of us when I say Hudson, Franklin, and Thornton are are the, are the starters? I think, yeah, the only – I just say Coda maybe is someone to kind of yeah. watch as the wild card, but I would my that's where I've landed as well on, the, on my depth, too deep prediction, yeah. I mean, I, I guess code is still so fresh in my mind. It slipped, it slipped me there a little bit. Um, that that's one where it makes sense to to add a veteran guy. You know, the physical traits of you know of of the receiver position. You know, the no block, no rock type mentality. I think that is an area where he will help Oregon tremendously because the other three aren't necessarily the greatest downfield blockers, um, but. Nonetheless, we kind of all are in that agreement that those are the three main guys. Code is probably the one that challenges the most um, to, to push into that mix. Um, but for me, going in, the, the biggest question is we kind of already know who those four guys are. What does Oregon have after that? Um, we, we certainly saw a little bit of Isaiah Crocker late in the year. He made some plays. Uh, against Utah, he made some plays against Oklahoma. Um, has the light finally turned on? This is a four-star receiver. Alabama offered him a scholarship. They wanted him to, to sign there. He chose Oregon. 
and he has done almost nothing in his first couple of seasons. And that seems harsh and cruel, but we're just speaking in data and factual data. And it's been tough for Crocker to get on the field when he did at the end of 2021, though, he was very productive. And is that a precursor to what we're going to see in 2022? Um, Isaiah Bravard is a four-star receiver that redshirted last season. Um, he had one catch for six yards. Uh, I think he played in just one, like, like 10 snaps, um, I, I believe, or less in 2021. A lot of expectations that he was going to be a guy um, in 2021. I think some struggles and consistency at quarterback maybe made it easier to redshirt him, don't waste a year. Um what will his jump be like? And then I, I'm Trey Lowe, or not Trey Lowe, Justice Lowe. Trey Lowe is Keenan Lowe's younger brother who's at Oregon State. But Justice Lowe is one in which where does he fit? Where, what What's his role? That's I'm almost more focused on the second group of receivers than I am the first group. Yeah, and honestly, that's kind of my – my big question too is, is what do you have after this group? And um, just to, I guess, to take it a slightly different direction, where is seven McGee playing? Um, because I, I, I mean, I think you could make an argument. He probably has a quicker path to playing time at receiver than at running back. Maybe, mm-hmm. um, you know, I think he could step in and be, I mean, of this group, he'd probably be my pick as the second slot behind Hudson, just based upon what we know of the position in the past, but again, we don't know exactly what they want from that group. So, or that position. So um, like, I'm curious to see where he fits in. And then I'll also include the Josh Delgado part, which is a player. I think we've all kind of forgotten about who was starting games as a true freshman in 19, never been overly productive as a pass catcher, but like there's been moments where Josh has has really kind of popped and and had some, had some time. And then last year you kind of forget about him because he's out all year. So those two to me are, are interesting. Um, and so is, so is Isaiah Bravard, um, who, by the way, I, I'm in a, this is a small gripe and probably kind of annoying to bring up in a podcast. They still don't have the Alamo Bowl stats, right? He played, <laughs> they had a catch. they credited it to Bennett Williams, who still, who was, who was not playing offense. <laughs> we played in two games and he has oh two catches, for like 15 yards. Sorry. It's been something, it's been, it was bothering me as I was looking through the stats, putting this together the other day. Um, Matt is right. He played probably 10 snaps before that, but he probably played 20 in the Alamo Bowl maybe. Um, so we got a little bit of a sign of him, but he's still a total unknown. But I, I included him in part just because I wanted to, to gripe at Nate Kruger, if you're listening, go update that. That's wrong. He's played two games. He had two catches. I'm sure, I'm sure his family back in Mississippi wants him credited with that second catch. Anyway, I'll digress. <laughs> I, uh, I don't have any issues that deep in my in my soul right there, but we'll, we'll, we'll go on. Uh, I think both of those questions you guys bring up are on my list as well. Um, I'll add one more and just by saying, who's the guy? You know, who's the alpha dog in this new group? Yeah. Because, you know, Devin Williams last year really solidified himself as that guy. If Oregon needed a catch on a third down and long, whatever the case may be, late game drive, blah, blah, blah. Um, they were going to go look for Devin Williams. And, you know, more often than not, if the ball was thrown in his general vicinity, um, he usually came down with it. You know, he was sure-handed. He was a mismatch with his size and his jumping ability. He is exactly what Oregon thought he would be that for, like, the last half of 2021. Um, 
for him to not come back in 2022, it makes all the sense in the world. Um, he should go and try to make it in the NFL because I think he's got a real chance. But that leaves a huge hole for Oregon's offense when they don't have a number one guy. I think any three of Troy Franklin, Chris Hudson, and Dante Thornton could be that one number one guy. So it's something just needs to happen where I can see it and it's proven and I can look onto the field and say, that's a number one dude. And whether it's, you know, how they've, uh, you know, retrained their body to be bigger, stronger, um, whether they're just faster, whether it's Hudson who just uses his size and acceleration and, and quickness and lateral mobility to do it. doesn't matter to me. Could be Chase Cota for all I know. Could be Isaiah Crocker. Someone just has to step up and be the number one guy. And so that's what I'm really looking forward to seeing in this position group and, you know, into the spring game. Real quick, um, as we wrap up this preview here, the spring game in particular will be, I assume, the only opportunity we'll get in a game, a true game-like situation to look at this receiver room. And, and much like at quarterback and at running back, and yesterday with tight ends, um, I think all three of us are pretty geeked about just seeing the formations and the usage and, and the number of receivers because, look, their numbers are at eight or nine, depending upon who you count as receivers or who you count as a running back or a tight end. Um, they don't have a lot of bodies. And just seeing how they maneuver that and maybe even – Coincidentally, guys, like, do they add anybody between the start of spring football and when they return from spring break? And, mm. you know, the, the spring term officially starts. Does anyone get added into this receiver room via a transfer? Um, does, is there a position change? I mean, I think the most obvious position change is Brian Addison, who came to Oregon as a receiver, had a very promising 2018 season uh, or 2019 season. And then the expectation from all of a lot of, I think all of us in 2020 was he would be maybe not the, the star receiver, but certainly a starter caliber guy. And he ended up switching over to defense and finished the 2021 season on, on defense. Maybe he moves back. Um, that's where I'm looking for the spring game is just, it's not necessarily, I want to see player a have this many yards and, and this many touchdowns, but just, I might watch the spring game three or four times just to take in what every receiver does. Yeah, I, I those are great points, Matt. And I'm kind of in the same boat here with how, I mean, there's a lot at this position group to kind of take in. I think we've touched on a lot of it already. I think one guy I'm just going to be really curious about is, is Chase, Chase Coda. You know, I know yeah. we haven't seen a ton of these other players. I mean, really, this is such a, a group where we really have seen so little of them that it's hard to draw too many conclusions, but I think we'll get a decent idea out of the spring game of how much he can help. And at UCLA, the stats don't fly off the screen. He had a couple of big games, but really pretty minimal time there. Is he someone who's capable of, of being, you know, a pseudo go-to guy? He's the most veteran of this group. He's from the state, obviously. Um, those are things that, that make him recognizable here. Will he, will that translate to the field? And will he be somebody who is, one of the more utilized players. And I think if he has a big spring game, I think that'll ease some concerns. And I, I do think people are, it's sort of similar to tight end, which we talked about yesterday, and even running back. I think there's a lot of optimism 
about this group because there are some really high-end younger players here. But ultimately, the lot, most of these guys are very unproven. And, and I would say if you could see Chase Cota be a guy who, you know, is that veteran presence who you can rely upon to catch three to five balls for 40 to 80 yards per game in the fall, that'd be huge. And I think we'll get hopefully a decent idea of kind of his capabilities by, by the end of the spring. Yeah, I, I mean, I'll start this off the way I have basically all the other ones. I just want to see what the offense looks like with with Oregon's new offensive coordinator. Um, and that spring game is going to be really the only time to do it until the season starts. Maybe a, a fall scrimmage or two is open to the media. Um, but Chase Cota, I think that's my number one thing going into the spring game too, just to see how much he can actually help this team. Um, and just – for basically all the reasons that you said, Eric, you know, is this guy someone you can rely on on like a third and four to get open and just get you six to eight yards and get the first down to keep going? Or is he someone who is, you know, primarily a run blocker? Is he in the game just for perimeter run blocking and, you know, it doesn't really provide anything on the offensive spectrum? Um, I think that's just kind of what we're looking for in that. Um, I think the spring game will also help highlight, you know, my question from earlier, just like, who's the number one guy, you know, who gets separation most and, you know, goes up for jump balls and comes down with them compared to a defensive back. Um, I think these are all like somewhat going to be answered come spring, um, especially at the scrimmage at the end of the end of the spring camp period. Um, just really looking to see what this group has to offer, because as of right now, it's, you know, you have, you have just three dudes and really honestly just two and Franklin and Hudson with, you know, continued success and performance. Um, you just really want to see who you can get from three, four, five, and six, if there is anything there, because that's going to be the difference between if Oregon is a potent offense or one that can be, you know, easily covered. It's going to do it for us here on the Austin Audible's podcast. Um, thank you for listening. Stay tuned tomorrow. We will have some stuff that plays out. Um, we'll have an offensive line perspective. Um, and then down the road, we'll also start to switch over to the defensive side of the football, um, where there's still plenty of questions and, and concerns and strengths with this team as well on that side of the football. So, Keep your eyes out on that. Make sure to go to duckterritory.com as well for full coverage of the receiver room uh, today. Until the next one, you've been listening to the Odds and Audibles podcast. Talk to you later, folks. Peace. Hello, everyone. It's Michael Richards here. You might have seen me on CBS working on their Champions League coverage over the last couple of years. I wanted to tell you about an exciting new podcast that I've been working on. It's called The Rest is Football. It's me, alongside Gary Lineker and Alan Shearer, two absolute legends of the game. The show combines topical debate from the world of soccer along with outrageous tales from our careers. And I mean, outrageous. Just search The Rest is Football wherever you get your podcasts. All the best from Big Meets.